Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, this is Lorraine Newman, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential, a radio talk show about television that will play part two of our conversation with Susan Silver. Later on this hour, Susan Silver, one of the original writers of the Mary Tyler Moore show and one of the very first female writers to break the glass ceiling in the world of TV comedy. Susan Silver also wrote, among other things, The Girl Who Came Gift Wrap, the iconic movie of the week starring Karen Valentine that, while very much having many trappings of the 1970s, still holds up today. We'll talk about that and more when we play part two of our conversation with Susan Silver later on in this hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. Speaking of television pioneers, our second hour will include a conversation with Janisha Adams-Gilliard. Janisha Adams-Gilliard, the first African-American stunt woman and the first stunt woman period, to receive an individual Emmy Award nomination in the brand new category of Outstanding Stunt Performance. Janisha received her nomination for her stunt work in the HBO series Lovecraft Country. There are not a lot of stunt women in the film and TV industry today, at least not compared to the number of stunt men working in film and television. So Janisha's nomination is a watershed moment in many, many ways. We'll talk about that and more when Janisha Adams-Gilliard joins us in our second hour. We hope you join us for that. Our second hour will also include a conversation with the Reverend Steve Peters. In the world of popular culture, Steve Peters is probably best known for an interview that he gave evangelist Tammy Faye Baker in 1985 while he was recovering from the effects of Suramin, the first antiviral drug trial, as well as overcoming full-blown AIDS and two kinds of cancer. Steve's interview with Tammy Faye Baker not only discussed and dispelled many of the myths surrounding HIV and AIDS, but changed his life and Tammy Faye Baker's life as well. Steve Peters will join us in our second hour. We hope you'll join us for that. In the meantime, we will open the program by welcoming back our friend Steve Beverly. Steve Beverly, recently retired professor of broadcast journalism at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee, as well as the host of Steve Beverly's TV Classics, the weekly two-hour TCM-like festival of classic shows from the 50s and 60s that originates from epluss.tv6.com. Steve is also, well, I don't know, Steve, Steve has become our resident game show historian. I don't know whether he realizes that or not, but <laughs> Steve has become our, <laughs> our our resident game show historian. As a matter of fact, you may recall that when Steve visited our program a few weeks ago in early August, Mike Richards had just been named the permanent host of Jeopardy. It was a very, very controversial choice for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that it called into question the integrity of having a long list of guest hosts, many of whom were supposedly in the running 
to be the official successor to Alex Trebek as the host of the program. Well, it is Friday, September 3rd, as we record this conversation with Steve Beverly. A lot has happened over the last three or four weeks, and for all we know, a lot more may happen between now and the time this program airs on Friday, September 10th. But that being said, Steve was kind enough to join us again today to help us sort through the latest development in the Jeopardy host debacle. And Steve Beverly, I thank you for that. My pleasure. And <laughs> all I can say, Ed, is, uh, <laughs> well, I, I, we're not surprised that uh, we're back here talking about this. Yeah, uh, and before we do, I'm going to read, read a note that I received from one of our listeners. This comes from Sue, who listens to us in San Francisco, California. Sue writes, I just listened to your show with your game show expert and the thoughts he had on the new host for Jeopardy. It was very interesting, I thought, how he called the outcome before any of us knew what the outcome was going to be. <laughs> I thought you might appreciate it. Sometimes when sometimes when you've been around a while, you just it's it's like you sniff things and it gives you an allergy, and that was the case this yeah this time. yeah. For those who may have missed Steve's last visit, uh, when Steve was with us about three weeks ago, a report from the ringer.com revealed that Mike Richards had made a series of disparaging remarks on the air, Uh, in which he um, uh, denigrated female colleagues, Jewish people, and little people during a podcast he hosted uh, around 2013-2014. That prompted Sony Television to remove Mike Richards as the new host of Jeopardy, although Richards remained as executive producer. Earlier this week, as we record this conversation, Sony announced that it had fired Mike Richards altogether. He is no longer the executive producer of Jeopardy, nor is he the producer of executive producer of Wheel of Fortune any longer. Now, as you pointed out, Steve, there were there were other problems with naming Mike Richards as host even before the report from the Ringer came out. Given given that, what are your thoughts on this latest development? They had no choice. And I've, I have looked at, and I don't really look at social media reaction as scientific by any stretch of the imagination because so much of social media reaction is based on emotion. That's not to dismiss it. It's just it, it, it doesn't really reflect a cross-section of, of viewpoints. But I, I was reading some social media reaction to this, and, and it was from a male who suggested, well, you know, this is the same type of locker room talk that happens with men all the time if they're at the country club or if they're somewhere else where it's just guys getting together. And it happened several years ago. So why does he have to be punished? Fine him, suspend him, but don't fire him. And I get that there are those who are going to react to this in this way. However... What you have to look at in a case like this is this is the guy who not only is your, under the circumstances that that were such a very short period of time, he was going to be your front man for the show as well as the boss. And 
this has nothing to do with cancel culture. This has everything to do with professional behavior. Mm-hmm. If if a guy who, while he was executive producer of the number one show in daytime television, namely The Price is Right, and another show that does, under today's uh, climate, respectable numbers in the, in the Let's Make a Deal, if while he was engaged as an executive producer of those shows, and he engaged in this kind of behavior in a podcast that was available to anybody in the world to listen to, you have to bring into question whether he is fit to be an executive that could command respect. Uh, these are the kind of things that begin to get people accused of creating a toxic work environment, and heaven knows we've seen a lot of that happen mm-hmm. in entertainment professional workplaces and others. And then you have to also look at the fact you can't have somebody being the front man for a show that has this kind of cloud hanging over him. I, I'll put it this way, Ed, and, and we can get into some other factors with this. But I'll put it this way. Jeopardy has always been somewhat of what we would call the Tiffany of game shows. Mm -hmm. It has a different level and a different set of standards that it has been held to by its audience. And it's not something that you tamper with because this is not something that you suddenly take Jeopardy and turn it into a comedy show. Uh, It's a show that the host of the show, frankly should have the same qualities and characteristics as, say, uh, a a network news anchor Mm -hmm. because of the fact you have so so much material and you have to do it in an authoritative fashion. And so that's, that's one respect that you have to do this. If you've got somebody who was so callous as to the position they held as executive producer of two major network shows in this genre that he would conduct a 41 episode podcast in which he would he would make statements that were degrading to women and to people of various ethnic or religious backgrounds you got a problem here because if it didn't surface then what if it had surfaced when he had been a year down the road of doing this show and it would have made it even worse to have had to drop the axe while he was in the middle of this. Uh, but it, it does raise a, a lot of questions, and Sony had absolutely no choice. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Steve Beverly is on the line with us. Steve Beverly, uh, 
Professor Emeritus of Broadcast Journalism at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee, also the host of Steve Beverly's TV Classics, as well as game show historian Non Perel. Steve is helping, helping us sort through the latest developments of the Jeopardy host debacle, in case you uh, missed it. Mike Richards, who was originally named the host of Jeopardy, then he was fired as host of Jeopardy. He was, all, he was fired as executive producer of both Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune by Sony Pictures Television as a result of disparaging remarks he made on a podcast he hosted several years ago. Two things. One is I want to dovetail on something you just said. The, your take is pretty much in step with my tape. This is a branding issue. Yeah. This is a branding issue. I mean, you put it very well. Jeopardy is the Tiffany of game shows. And so whoever you hire as the host of the show, as the face of the show, you want someone whose personalities, whose own values reflects the values of the show, who reflects the values of the franchise. And um, as I said to you off mic, if I were running Sony Pictures Television, I would have made the same decisions for very much the, the, re the reasons you laid out. But the other thing, and again, I realize comments on social media, they carry whatever weight they carry. But um, a few hours after you informed me of the news from uh, Sony Pictures Television, Steve, I posted, <laughs> I posted the same article you sent me. I posted that on my wall on Facebook, and we got several comments. We had a nice little thread going. And there were a couple of commenters who made the argument you um, paraphrased a few moments ago, why should anyone be penalized for something he or she did seven years ago? There's a commenter uh, named Vaughn, who I thought put it very well. He wrote, Richards was 38 years old at the time he made those remarks on his podcast. 38 years old, a grown man. He is 46 years old right now, not much older, but he has shown no signs of having changed during the intervening years, which touches on what you said a few moments ago. Who knows what would have transpired in the months ahead, but if you're 46 years old and you're still kind of juvenile in that way, the chances are you're not going to grow up, and that's not good for the brand of Jeopardy. Now, and I think Vaughn hit it right on the, the head. This is the kind of thing that... And, and again, we touched on this on my last visit, but someone who is so intent on being a show host. Now, I, I believe that it would have resulted in the same finish regardless of this, but if he was so intent on being the host of Jeopardy, then what should have happened mutually on both sides of the fence, both from the executive branch of Sony and Mike Richardson himself, is I'm going to step down as executive producer of Jeopardy and concentrate on straightforwardly attempting to do the best job I can to try to become the host of the show. Now, with the baggage he had out there, the, the outcome would have been the same. But as we talked about conflicts of interest, in, in, and particularly because of the way this Guest who strict, which I'm, I'm on record as saying I thought was a terrible decision because it's not as if the Sony people didn't know 
that Alex was dealing with a terminal illness and potentially would have, it could have been any time that he would have passed away. And that's immediately where you go into what would, if not a crisis mode, but you go into a backup plan. Okay, what do you do in order to make sure there's a smooth and orderly transition with the show? And it, it should have been that they had a plan in mind as to who was going to take over the show and then make it happen, make it smooth, and stick with it. Whether that person was the right person to host it or not, but you go with them. Uh, rather than this dog and pony show that they came up with that, frankly, I think has now created an embarrassment for some of the people who were guest hosts on the show. Mm -hmm. Because suddenly they have been thrust into the middle of uh, a terrible debacle which I will go on record as saying, and I think I did to a degree, uh, but much more so since uh, Richards was fired, this has to be the worst debacle that has occurred in the genre of game or quiz shows since the scandals in the late 1950s. I've gone back and looked at, at many different things, and nothing compares to this because it shows so much of a system breaking down in so many ways at the corporate level and also the hiring of someone who, frankly, uh, bringing him into this picture, it, it also calls into question the failure of human resources of Sony to not have vetted him any more thoroughly than they did, and heaven forbid with the resources they have, why did it take the ringer.com <laughs> to, yeah. to uncover? For, and, and this is what happens so often, Ed, is a lot of times it's an investigative reporter who will come up with the goods on things mm -hmm. that uh, a human resources department or someone else who's, who's responsible for vetting uh, a job holder, uh, they come up with this stuff. And this is not and, – and, and let, me, let me go so far as to say this, too. This is not – a cause for celebration. The, the people who didn't like Mike Richards or some people who knew what he had out there as far as baggage, there's, a, there's been some of this that has been people celebrating. Uh, no. It, the, the thing is, that it's a tragic thing yeah. because of the fact it's shown that a system broke down in the midst of something that should not have happened you should have had a plan in place to have replaced Alex Trebek. Okay, we can make semantics. Okay, nobody replaces a guy who has been at the helm for 37 years. But the point I'm making is, is somebody to succeed Alex Trebek. That should have been smooth. It should have been very... When Alan Ludden contracted stomach cancer and then suddenly he had a stroke, could not continue on Password Plus in 1980. Initially, the backup plan was that it was going to be Bill Cullen. But then when, when Alan was able to come back to the show and then Bill was tapped to host the show Chain Reaction, then Tom Kennedy was available. It was a perfect and a smooth transition. We didn't trot out 16 guest hosts trying to decide who was the best. And then uh, a much less successful game show, but when Bill Layden suddenly was taken with a, a very serious illness that ultimately led to his death, 
when that happened on a show called You're Putting Me On on NBC back in the 70s. It was a very smooth transition to bring in Larry Blyden, who was doing What's My Line at the time, and they brought in Larry to take over the show. This is the point. Good, sound-thinking people who have, and I don't care what profession you're in, you always plan backup for what might happen as the worst. And in this particular case, uh, it, it was every, you, you see, every possible thing that just, it, it scratches your head to wonder how this could have happened in a company like Sony. Steve Beverly is helping us sort through the latest developments in the Jeopardy host debacle. Mike Richards, who had been named permanent host of Jeopardy, he was fired as host of Jeopardy. He was then fired as executive producer of Jeopardy and as executive producer of Wheel of Fortune because of the revelation of disparaging remarks that Richard had made on the air against uh, female colleagues and people of various other uh, races and ethnicities on a podcast he hosted in 2013-2014. We have a couple more points we'd like to make on this issue, including the question of how Sony Pictures Television proceeds at this point and who may end up being the new host of Jeopardy. We'll talk about that and more when we continue our conversation with Steve Beverly here on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.